0: BMX Network Production.
1: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on pulpocky.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show, pulphockey.com. Subscribe to it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher app, and, of course, pulphockey.com. You can get it on there, too. Appreciate everybody listening. Two Under, the number two, UNDR.com, the best men's underwear out there. Check them out, no drip tip and a Joey pouch, and we thank the guys at Two Under for coming on the show. Use the code ferraro twenty to uh, save yourself money at the twounder.com, the number 2, UNDR.com and also to Amazon banner if you want to support the show. There's an Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com. Click on that. It takes you to Amazon. Make a purchase and uh, we get a small slice of it and I'm able to um, keep this show going. So I appreciate it. Thanks for all you guys for listening to the Ferraro shows and and, and Randy Burge, Rob Brown and all that. We've got another guy on the line right now, former NHLer, uh, played for uh, Hartford Whalers, Winnipeg Jets, Boston Bruins, Almost 200 goals in the league, over 600 games, or just about 600 games, and uh, we're happy to have him on. Ray Neufeld. Ray, what's going on? Thanks for doing the show.
1: I appreciate you having me, and uh, just out at my lake home, enjoying uh, the last few days before the snow starts flying.
0: Yeah, really, I know. I'm from Winnipeg, as I told you before we started, so it's got to be just about time for uh, the snow to hit.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean we've been really blessed this uh, this summer. It's been really terrific and uh right into fall here. The weather's been outstanding, so uh yeah. we'll take every day we get, uh yeah, as you know winter can be a little bit tough out here.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What uh what is Ray Newfeld up to these days? What what what's going on?
1: Well, I've been uh been doing a few things. When I, I was coaching there for a while, uh coaching in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League mm-hmm. with the uh with the Winnipeg South Blues, uh, and about about four years ago, I guess I left uh, left the Blues and decided to venture into the oil and gas industry and started working alongside my wife uh, with a, with a company in in Alberta. And uh, so, for the last number of years, I've been learning that uh, mm. that gig and uh, making making my living that way. So uh, it's enjoyable. Right now, it's a little bit slow. So. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been uh, enjoying this whole summer. We were fortunate enough to have the summer off, which was nice and, uh, and my wife just got called back to work, and I will be heading out in a couple of weeks to uh, to do the same
0: Coaching, I imagine, like a lot of players uh, I speak to here and there, a little frustrating because you're sort of helpless behind the bench did you did, you, did, you, did and, and yet you wear the wins and losses more so you wear the losses, I guess right How was it for you did you did you enjoy it or was it was it stressful?
1: Well, it, it was an enjoyable time. First of all, I mean the level I was coaching is a junior A hockey level, and uh, some of the players are, are really good, and some of them are just playing because that's as high as they can play, and that's mm-hmm. that's sort of where they're going to be at for the as far as their life ambition in hockey goes. So uh, you get a mixed bag, but as is, I enjoyed I enjoyed the process. Uh, I find that. Uh, as a, it's a lot different than playing. I mean, playing you can go out and sort of take matters into your own hands at times, especially if the game, uh, you know, gets a little, a uh, little bit silly. Sometimes you're, you're able to. <laughs> you're able to step in and do things and as a coach it's really uh it's a whole different outlook you, you really are teaching players and and uh trying to get them to buy into what your your philosophy is as a coach and uh and your systems and things like that so it's a whole different aspect and a big learning curve initially and i was fortunate enough to work with a with a gentleman who's uh had a lot of experience and uh, i learned a lot from him and mm-hmm. it was a good time you bet i enjoyed enjoyed it all
0: you enjoyed it all, and um, so you're still in Winnipeg. You're born and raised in Winkler, um, and uh, and lived in Winnipeg for a long time. Like you said, you're doing a little stuff out in Alberta, but um, being in Winnipeg, did you ever think the Jets would come back? And we're in the year <laughs> three or four, I think, of the Thrashers moving up there. And I know, like I said, I'm from there, so I've got friends with tickets, and uh, I go back and see them every now and then. It's pretty amazing they got a team again. I got to admit, and and it's been, it's been. I mean, you know, they went to the playoffs last year for the first time. Regardless of results, it's been an incredible success.
1: You no, know, there's no question about it. I mean, when the team left, I mean, I don't know, you've probably seen some of the highlights and all the all the talk about when the team left and how sad the city was to see them go. And, mm-hmm. you know, economically, it just wasn't in the cards at that time. and uh, And so things had to change. And the jets moved on but uh... thankfully I mean, everything there seems to be cycles in life and things turn mm-hmm. around and, yeah. and fortunate enough the jets uh... you know ownership uh, group is you know mark chipman and them have done a terrific job of being able to bring the jets back and uh... And the city has embraced it. I mean, as as we knew they would. I mean, when yeah. I played with the Whiteouts in the playoffs, and uh, you knew how enth- enthusiastic the the Winnipeg Jet fans were. But uh, mm-hmm. well, I'll tell you, they've taken it to a new no, a new level now with the, with the new Jets in town and. Uh, it's just awesome. It's great to see the city's excited. There's, they sell out every single night. Yeah. It's tough to get a ticket. I mean, the atmosphere is outstanding, and uh, it's just great to see them back playing and, and having success. They're not just no, in no. the league. They're they're having success as well. So uh, right from the top all the way down to that organization, they've. They've really done a terrific job.
0: Yeah, they've got some. That Nick Ehlers kid looks great. I think Hutchison is an up-and-coming star. Shifley, obviously, uh, pretty good. Truba is is great. I mean, they, you know, they've really got the makings. And I think, like Hockey News rated them the number one uh, future watch team for their prospects. They, they've got a future here going on. They actually may have something going on here.
1: Oh, well, yeah, well, they have some dynamic players. There's no question about it. I mean, uh, Shifley is a. You know, a, a big centerman that can score, and uh, and you know he he came right out of uh, well he he hasn't been playing I mean high level hockey for too long, and yet mm-hmm. the Jets still drafted him, and and uh, and he's been a really terrific player for them, getting better every year, and. Uh, and uh, this year they got some younger guys uh, with Patan and and uh, and Ehlers and uh, I can't believe how quick Ehlers is. He's uh, just <laughs> he's incredibly fast player and uh, he really creates a lot out there when he's when he's on the ice. He's still trying to figure out a few things on the de- defensive side of the game as all young players struggle with, yeah. but. Uh, but he's certainly a terrific offensive threat and uh the Jets look good. I mean they you know, they've drafted well and uh their organization again uh uh has done a terrific mm-hmm. job shovel day off in as as far as the personnel goes and uh and the type of team they want to bring into Winnipeg and the type of people more 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 so than uh you know, just uh, the players. I mean, they 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 have good character people uh, in their organization. Mm-hmm. You know, with Blake Wheeler and uh, Andrew Ladd, and yeah, just some really terrific uh, individuals. That uh, great great guys to build a team around. So there's a lot of positives, a lot of things uh, for now and in the future. And I think Maurice has done a, a terrific job with that with that group.
0: Yeah, see, I I'm a Maple Leaf fan, and I'm not a fan of Hiring recycled coaches who've sort of not won in the past. Like, the Leafs picked up Maurice after a long time And I mean, obviously, he went to a cup final, and he seems like a great guy. But, he, you know, it, he had a bad record with Carolina. He didn't do anything spectacular outside of that one cup run. The Leafs hired him, and he didn't do much. And when the Jets picked him up, I'm like, oh, man, like, go... Like, I was thinking, like, go get a hot junior coach. Go get a hot assistant. You know, do something different than recycle Paul Maurice, who just can't seem to, you know, to take a team to another level, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a dynamic of dressing rooms and this and that, because once he got in after Claude Noel, and maybe this just speaks poorly of Claude Noel, I don't know, but Maurice really does seem like he's pulling the right, pushing the right buttons.
1: Well, there's no no question. I mean, he's... he's uh... I don't know. I mean, he, he was really hungry to get the job and uh, mm-hmm. I think he was just uh, you know, delighted and excited and every other uh thing you could think about when he was hired by the Jets and uh and uh, he brought in that maturity that uh, that the hockey club needed from from in that position and uh, no no disrespect to Claude Noel. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought he did a good job. He got a lot out of his team as well, but uh Maurice just uh, had a had a different uh a uh, different way of going about it and uh, got the goals against cut down because he knew they'd get enough offensively uh, but they need to look after their own end so he mm-hmm. started you know, taking some pride in some of those things and managed the players to buy into that and and of course he got the big guy going I mean Dustin Bufflin probably one of the best players uh, well he's a really underrated in, my, in, in yep. my opinion as far as overall as far as his ability and what he can bring to a team and and uh, when I first saw the Jets play, he was inconsistent, and I think you know now he's he has a more consistent game. You have a, each night, you have a, a better idea what he's going to be doing, and mm-hmm. and Blake Wheeler as well has elevated his game uh, to another level, and uh, their goaltending has been really solid. So uh, yeah, you know, I mean Maurice has been able to tweak the right button, so to speak, and and, and pull the team in the right direction, and the players have seemed to bought in, and. And, uh, yeah, so they're having success. But but he certainly uh, – I, I like him. I, I like what he's done and what mm-hmm. he brings and, and just his overall defensive first, take care of your own zone first, and uh, the offense will take care of itself. And uh, I know it's an old cliche, but it's certainly working for the Jets.
0: I got a sense from talking to guys up there that Bufflin, he's a UFA at the end of the year, so is Andrew Ladd. But I got a feeling like Bufflin might be the guy they're not keeping. He might want. He might price himself out of Winnipeg. Uh, is that something you hear? Uh, uh,
1: you know what? I I haven't heard that. I don't know. There's lots of talk. I mean, uh, you know, him and Andrew Ladd both need to be signed, and and uh, I don't think the Jets wanna. I mean, I, I think they'd like to have both of them. Obviously, yeah, f- Buffalo f- for sure. Part of their hockey club. I mean, it's going to be tough for them to get uh, sign them both, but I think they can do it. Maybe they move a few other parts there to. To make some cap room for Buffalo, I, I I'm not sure, but I know he's from the area. Like he doesn't, his hometown isn't mm-hmm. that far away, and I know he's certainly, by the way he's playing for Maurice, you think he'd like to stay here. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's a big price tag, and and yeah. uh, a lot of teams would probably want to go after a guy like that. But hopefully you'll have the sense to realize it's you know they all make a lot of money nowadays so uh <laughs> yeah. sometimes being in the right situation with a chance to win and uh, and uh, is is better than just running after the almighty dollar bill so
0: Yeah really right
1: so. Hopefully he'll see it that way, and hopefully the Jets figure out how to how to move some parts around so that they can sign both those guys.
0: You sound like you keep up pretty good with the game, and you watch it now, and and you know you're still a fan nowadays after after a long career. How do the Jets, uh, or do they? Do you even notice? Do you care? Do they treat the alumni? I mean, look, you didn't have a storied Winnipeg Jet career, but you're from the province, and you played there um, in the heyday. How do they do you? Do they interact with you guys at all? Do they? Doing anything for you, or how's that go?
1: Well, I think I think when the Jets initially came, like Jets uh one oh one they call them, and then the two two point one, I guess, is the, uh,
0: mm-hmm. is, <laughs> the, is the new one Jets,
1: yeah. and, and really it's the Atlanta Thrashers fr- franchise coming here. So uh, in Winnipeg, there's a lot of mixed, uh, a lot of mixed teams, a lot of different guys have played with a lot of different organizations, not necessarily the Jets mm-hmm. that are living in Winnipeg right now. So. So as far as the alumni, I think the uh, um, you know the organization felt that they had enough on their plate to get the team uh, you know going in the right direction mm-hmm. and all those types of things that they had to do off the ice as well as on the ice and and so uh, they haven't looked at the alumni too strongly at this point. but okay. I know it's in their uh, on their list of things to do to start. You know, identifying and establishing some kind of an alumni going forward, and yeah. and and so I I'm I'm optimistic that that'll happen, and and uh, you know we're certainly the players are around around Winnipeg that would like to be a part of that, and now with the Manitoba Moose coming here, there's also yeah. some players from this area that played for the Moose. So that's right.
0: I, I forgot. I'm sure yeah. with
1: the ownership group that the Jets have, and and the organizations that they've, you know, people that mm-hmm. are in that organization, they'll figure something out, and and uh and you know they'll take care of the alumni as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I forgot the moose. Yeah, they bought the moose. They bought the brought them all over. So yeah, they're playing out of the arena too. I forgot about that, the yeah. MTS Center.
1: Yeah, oh. they are and that's you know an interesting uh you know interesting that the Jets uh, decided that they'd sooner have their farm team right here in Winnipeg and I think that uh you know over time you might see other teams doing the same thing. We'll see how it plays out, but mm-hmm. uh You know they certainly had a lot of success when the moose were here. So we'll see how they draw. I mean, the first year it's always, hey, the thunder here they are. But let's see how they do in year three and four.
0: That's just it. There must be pretty confident in the market. Look, Winnipeg's not the biggest city around. I think there's seven, eight hundred thousand people. It's kind of the same since I left. It's not necessarily growing huge, but it's not shrinking either. And you know, to to basically say, hey, there's two pro hockey teams in town for everybody. that's bold. That's a, That's a, they must be have done their studies and figured out that they can still sell decent moose tickets. Um, well, I guess we'll wait and see. So,
1: yeah, well, I think I think so, and I think the hockey fans in Winnipeg are, are you know, uh, to be able to watch the young guys that are coming up mm-hmm. and, and uh, future players that could be on the Jets. I think uh, certainly is an interesting area for a lot of people in Winnipeg that can't afford Jet Jet games or right. can't get a ticket. Not that they can't afford it, but. You just can't get into the building, so this gives them an opportunity to be able to watch and uh, I think that uh you know the the people in charge up top uh, in the organization uh, certainly have done their homework on that and and feel that uh I know that zinger uh, you know the yeah. the general manager's uh, assistant g m of the jets and general manager of the moose is happy because he's way less travel was <laughs> pretty hectic when the team was in st john's
0: can you was he the equipment guy when you were there?
1: He was. Okay, he yeah, was yeah. The, so okay, yeah. It's
0: a crazy story. He, a guy from the equipment guy becomes a GM, and then now he's, you know, assistant GM of an NHL team. Like, good job for Zinger. I don't know him at all, but that's, that's a real cool story.
1: Oh, yeah, it is an awesome story. He's a great, interesting guy. I mean,. Uh He's uh, he's paid his dues. He's been around hockey longer than anybody I know, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's a smart guy. He's really a smart uh, smart at what he does. He he certainly does a terrific job at at all levels, and even when he was uh, equipment manager and trainer and stuff for the Jets, mm-hmm. I mean, he he always took his job seriously. He did a fantastic job, and uh, you know he's uh, he's just a good guy to know and good guy to to, to have on your team.
0: One thing about Winnipeg, I go back and I watch the games at the... My buddy's got a box at MTS Center, and I've had, I've sat in, the, in some seats and here and there whenever I go back home. One thing you realize, and I, and also, too, in my travels, I, I go to tons of games uh, whenever I can. When I'm on the road, I travel 40 weeks a year. Um, one thing you realize is, okay, the MTS Center is great. It's beautiful. It's nice. Then you think back to the Winnipeg Arena, Ray, and you're like... And obviously, you probably don't know because you, you were playing on the ice, but... God, that place wasn't very good to watch a game. Like it just, it just the upper decks were too steep and too high, and the other seats were on the ends. They were you were way up there, and it, the pitch was just. It was square.
1: It just. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't uh, you know. a very
0: nice arena.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it certainly was a different uh, different arena. I remember right? as a youngster, uh, you know, coming in to watch the the WHA uh, games with Bobby Holland, and that and. Uh, and was sitting way up in the upper deck as well, and being scared to walk down the <laughs> stairs because you might go rolling all the way down to the ice surface. But who designed yeah, that I thing? Yeah, I mean, those. Was, that <laughs> arena has 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 had its uh, its own uh, history, and uh, and certainly uh, the people of Winnipeg loved being a part of that building as well. And playing there was fun, certainly enjoyable times. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, being playing in essentially my hometown. I mean, I'm from Winkler, Manitoba, but to be a Winnipeg Jet was was really a thrill and
0: uh okay I was going to ask you, know, you about it's that it's very humbling yeah.
1: actually to be a, even today to be uh be a Winnipeg jet in in the city of Winnipeg I mean you people recognize you and and acknowledge it uh, pretty much everywhere you go so uh, it's really a really a humbling experience for me.
0: Uh, I was going to ask you, so I have I have your bios open here, and I knew you're obviously a Manitoba guy. Like you know, I was a kid, when you came back home, and we knew you were from Manitoba. But I got one bio that says you're born in St Boniface, not far from where I grew up, and one one that says you're born in Winkler.
1: Well, <laughs> so what's <laughs> yeah, the deal? I grew I grew up in Winkler, but I was born in St hmm. Boniface when okay. I was a youngster. I mean, i was born in Winnipeg and was adopted when I was four years old. Uh, to a family in southern Manitoba and my father, uh, at that time when I was adopted, we were living in Morden and he was going through pharmacy school and then he, uh, he graduated and bought a, bought a, a drug store in Winkler and moved mm-hmm. the family, uh, to, to Winkler, so that's where I grew up. That's where my roots. That's where I played all my minor hockey. Is, okay,
0: Winkler, is, yeah, it's Winkler, yeah.
1: So that's so, where there's a little bit of confusion on whether <laughs> am I from Winkler? or Am I from, from Winnipeg? Winnipeg. Well, I was born in Winnipeg, but I grew up in Winkler.
0: And hey, uh, Dustin Penner from Winkler, Eric Fair, uh, yeah. Eddie Eddie Belfour, not Carmen is basically Winkler, right? I mean, correct well, yeah, maybe my geography in is in wrong, that right? Area,
1: but... Pemina Valley area, sure, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few guys actually. Uh, uh, the Froze kid Byron Froze who just got called up from the the oh, Maple yeah. Leafs yeah, he's yeah. from Winkler as well and uh Crazy he played on the same high school team as I played on the Winkler Zodiacs.
0: Crazy, right? That's in the little little hot hot spot area there.
1: Yeah, there's there's quite a few guys. There's uh, a Dick guy too, gosh, I can't remember his first name mm-hmm. now and then there's a Cron that got drafted by Calgary and and he's a goalie. He's from there. There's there's, there's quite a quite a few guys in uh, mm. the area. Morden has a couple as well. Galloway, right. I think one of the referees or or uh, one of the players. I can't recall. He's from that area. So there's there's a lot of good athletes in, from that region for sure.
0: Let's get into uh, let's get into your career a little bit. Let's go back a little bit. Drafted. For, uh, Eighty-first overall, nineteen seventy-nine. Of course, the legendary seventy-nine entry draft, where it seemed like
1: yeah, it was a power pack right? draft. I'll tell you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I, talking. Now, think times were different back then, for sure. Um, did you know? Uh, you know, obviously there wasn't the hype and all that for these draft prospects that there is now. But were you like, "Hey, I want to go in the NHL. I'm I'm going to get drafted. I, this is my thing," or was it like, "Hey, look, I got selected uh, fourth round. Like, how was that? Your getting drafted experience?"
1: Well, I mean, thrilling. I mean, for my for my family and everything. I mean, certainly for myself as well. I I think that uh, back then, yeah, there's not nearly the hype that it was uh, today. Um, and I remember just being being at home, and uh, we were just hanging around at the house and mm-hmm. waiting for the waiting for the phone to ring and. You know, I I I, uh, I knew I was going to get drafted. I just didn't know where I was going to get drafted. So, right. uh, I mean, my last year of junior hockey is, I mean, I was playing with the Flint Flon Bombers. Our team got sold uh, in my last year to Edmonton. So I played with the Edmonton Oil Kings, and and uh, while Bill Hunter was the president, oh, yeah. general manager of the team at that time. So. Uh, so I got drafted from the Oil Kings. So there's lots of hype. I mean, yeah, we're okay. gonna get, you know, I'm gonna get drafted. What round am I gonna go? I mean, it's something on your mind as the year goes on. You know, you're right. playing hard every every night to hope that you do get drafted. So, and then and then my draft year, all these things happened. Uh, you know, the World Hockey folded, and mm-hmm. the underage draft got brought back into the draft. So. Uh, it became quite a quite a quite a draft. There's a lot a of, lot of really good players that were picked that year.
0: Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. And obviously, it's not on TSN, so you're not sitting at home watching it. So you're just saying, well, it's today, I think, and I hope yeah. someone calls That's me. Right? right? Kind of how just,
1: it was. Exactly right. Just hanging out and wait the phone to ring, and eventually it rang and. Uh, and it was, uh, gosh, who was on the other end of that phone now? I can't even remember. It was uh, been a, It
0: been was Hartford Whalers who drafted you, by the way. I left that part out. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. Um, I
1: think it was Larry Plo actually that called me, I, I, I believe. But I, I don't recall that actually now that I think about it. I no, was, it may have been Donnie Blackburn. I was actually. thinking
0: Eddie Johnson, but maybe I missed that. Maybe that was after.
1: Um, yeah, that was after, yeah. I think it was Donnie, Donnie Blackburn mm-hmm. that gave me a call and said, you've been selected by the, <laughs> by the Whalers. <laughs>
0: and, and, you, and you immediately ran to a map to look where, Hartford was probably.
1: Yeah, where, where is this? Where am I going exactly? Right. Exactly right.
0: Um, yeah, so drafted by Hartford Whalers, uh, and so it would have been a nice story for you to go to Winnipeg, but I think they were too busy drafting Jimmy Man first first round of '79. So,
1: yeah. Good, good yeah. job, Jets. Um, that was a tough pick for them, but I mean, right? you know, Fergie was that uh, kind of a player. And, he I was. Mean, right. You watched. I mean, I played against Jimmy Man, and uh, yeah in the All-Star uh we had an All-Star weekend or or week uh over Christmas where the Western Hockey League played Quebec and played Ontario played the Canadian Olympic team and a, and a couple uh team from Finland a team from Russia and Jimmy Mann was playing for the Quebec uh, mm-hmm. All-Stars and uh you know he he was a he was a tough customer and uh, at, at, at the junior level I could see how a, a, a scout could see well geez if he could carry that game over to the pros he'd he right. be a player but they forgot he you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing anyway, against Jimmy, man,
0: man, but yeah, good guy,
1: good guy, yeah. Jimmy, and certainly one guy you want on your team if especially if you're playing against uh, some rugged. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah team so yeah
0: i want to talk a little bit about fergie we'll get to him when you get to winnipeg because uh, I, I do want to hear some fergie stories but um so you get drafted by hartford uh you spend the seventy nine eighty season you, you get in eight games now did you get them in the beginning in the end did you go to camp and immediately they said hey kid go to springfield how did the how did the first camp go and how'd you get the eight games in
1: well the eight games came towards the end but i mean mm-hmm. i i uh yeah, I mean, I'm like a, probably like every young hockey player that uh, goes to their first uh, pro camp. I mean, your your eyes are open. You're right. like, wow, this is incredible. I'm here. I can't believe it. Uh, you guys are, but also guys are you have a sort of a, a little bit of arrogance, like you know, that uh, you you feel you're good enough to play and and make it. And I realized like wasn't too too long after I was there. maybe three days into camp, that boy, I, I had a lot to learn about the pro game and. uh and what it was going to take to be a professional hockey player. So uh, I got sent down at the end of camp and, you know, made my way to Springfield. And that was a whole other experience, too, just adapting to the American Hockey League, the pace, the the size uh, of the players, the uh, type of game you had to play. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> in Springfield, we were playing in the Big E, which was like uh, a little wooden box. I mean, it was just a small, tiny rink, and uh, the boards were as hard as, you know, like running into concrete and uh you know it was uh it, it wasn't a, a great building to play hockey in but uh that's for me and donnie Nackbar and jeff brubaker and a few of the guys within the, the whaler hartford whaler organization mm-hmm. that, uh, sort of learned our game and how to get to the national league and larry kish was the coach and you know, really a tactical coach, uh, hard-working coach, uh, hard on, well, I wouldn't say hard on players, but just tough and fair, and and uh, boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I learned in a hurry what it was going to take to make it to the National Hockey League, and, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he allowed me to go, or I got called up with eight games left in the season, and I was playing good enough uh, down on the farm, they gave me a shot, and I didn't play a lot when I got called mm-hmm. up those first eight games. Uh you know, played you know fourth line, not a lot, of, not a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next year, though, when I went back to camp, I had a good camp, and I stayed with the big team. So,
0: did uh, was Gordy playing? Did you play
1: Oh yeah, well, My first year, was. Yeah. we had like was, That was his I last mean, year, I've right. I've so blessed in hockey. I've been around some of the greats of the game. I mean, uh-huh. it's incredible. That, I mean, Gordie Howe was there. He was 52 years old <laughs> in my last year. Scored 15 goals in his last year of pro hockey.
0: Right. 52. He's 52. I mean, 52. Yeah,
1: very impressive. What Dave was- Keon was there. Bobby Hull was there. Oh, I mean, I Mark f- Howe was there. I mean, geez, there was a bunch of... You know, uh, really terrific guys and great hockey players. I
0: forgot about Bobby Hall. That's right. They signed Hall, too.
1: Yeah, Um, and and his wife or his girlfriend or whatever, uh, you know, was hurt in in an automobile accident. So he came, played a bit, but never really got on track with the Whalers, didn't play a whole mm -hmm. lot of games.
0: How was Gordy with you? I mean, you're 19, he's 52.
1: <laughs> was he well, Gordy was, he, was awesome. Was man. he okay? I mean, yeah. He, he was he was great. I mean, uh, I was friends with the house like so, you know, we lived in Glastonbury, Connecticut and uh, we got to, you know, uh hang out with Gordy and Mark and Marty and Oh, cool. and uh yeah, so we were really good friends with Marty, Howe, Marty and Mary Howe. And, mm-hmm. and uh used to go fishing with them a lot, but uh you know, Gordy, just to you know, even at 52, if he was he obviously wasn't playing the same amount of minutes as he was when he was at 25, you yeah. know, so, but still had the hunger and determination uh, as he did when he was a young player. I mean, didn't like to not play. I mean, so yeah. I remember one night sitting on the bench, and he would just say to me like, "Geez, uh, you know, they should put me out there. Uh, I might be able to do a little, a little more than some of these guys." I mean, he still <laughs> had the itch to play even at 52 years of age.
0: Um, yeah, and, and Keon, what do you remember about
2: Keon?
1: Well, I roomed with David, so on the road, uh, the few games that I played that year, uh, uh, he was—I I was able to room with him. He's a pretty quiet guy. Yep. I mean, uh, on the road, he. Uh, mind-his-own-business type guy, and uh, and just a really, uh, I mean, he was a competitor. I mean, Keon, I mean, these guys are Hall of Famers, right? So, Right, yeah. You know, they come to the rank with a purpose every night. I mean, they wouldn't have been Hall of Famers had they not uh, played at a high level and a high standard. And and uh, that's what I remember most about Dave Keon, is just his character and what he brought mm-hmm. into the dressing room and what he stood for. and. And uh, the work ethic that he brought, even at 42 years of age, was incredible.
0: So, was I read Howard Baldwin's book? Was he around then?
1: Yeah, he was yeah. the owner of the team. Uh, right. Howard was there. Yeah, and a few <laughs> years back, we actually went back to a big do that he had going on. He used to bring back the Whalers. Right. Uh, I don't know what he was. Uh, he was thinking about. Uh, trying to get them back into the National League, I think, or or something along those lines, so we brought a bunch of players back in the summertime and did a big promotion. Oh, cool. Then in the winter as well, we did an outdoor event out there and played against the Bruin alumni, and yeah, it was was fun. It was good to see Howard again, and uh, you know, reminisce with some old guys and uh, guys yeah. that I played with. You know, Blaine Stoughton was another one. Oh yeah, back in those days. So,
0: Uh yeah, Stoughton like 105 points one year or something. Like a really like a underrated 50 goals, I think even like underrated kind of player. So,
1: oh yeah, he was. You know, he was a terrific goal scorer, and he played with uh, you know Mikey Rogers, which is yeah. a great setup guy. So I mean, sure. they were they were magic on the ice together, and. uh you know, I mean, he had a good run in Hartford till he got traded to the Rangers, so.
0: Um, your first NHL goal, who was it on? What do you remember? Where was it?
1: It was uh, actually, a few things happened to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my first game in the NHL, I, we got called up, me and Stevie Alley, and uh, we were pl- in Rochester, and all of a sudden the phone rang, hey, they need us in Hartford. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we... Uh, we jumped on a plane, and I don't know why we flew to Baltimore. And then from Baltimore, we were supposed to connect in Hartford, and uh, and there was our flight was delayed, or there was some kind of issue with with the flight, so. They flew us down in a jet, in a jet, so they got a jet and they, they grabbed us in the in the in the airport. Said, "Here, we got a jet for you, you know," and they they loaded us up on the jet. We got down to the Hartford Civic Center when we landed in Springfield, which is about 25 minutes from from the from the arena. You know, they had a limo there to pick us up, and and uh, <laughs> you guys are like, was sweet. right down into <laughs> the Civic Center in Hartford, and yeah. we, we got there at the the end of the first period. But they put us on the game sheet, so they said, "Get dressed." And mm-hmm. that was my first game in the National League, playing against the Philadelphia Flyers. And okay. Bobby Clark, who's my favorite player, and Wayne Stephenson. Oh yeah, who Flint, played, Flint played, played guy. a year of senior hockey in <laughs> in Winkler, so uh, yeah, it yeah. was kind of cool and. And then, then that night we jumped on a plane, went to uh, Montreal, and I scored my first goal in the Montreal Forum on a breakaway on Bunny La Rock. Oh,
0: Nice, nice. Breakaway on, uh, yeah, in the Forum. That's a nice in way the to form, do it.
1: Forum, assisted by no, none other than Mr. Hockey himself.
0: Oh, shit. Look at you. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it was. It was neat. So, yeah. you know, something I'll always remember for sure. I,
0: loved, I remember uh, being a big Maple Leaf fan growing up when, when Bunny got traded to the Leafs, I was like, oh, man, this is the guy, this is the dude that's going to do it um, because, uh, you know, he he played behind Dryden and he was the guy and kind of wasn't the same guy away from Montreal, <laughs> away from the powerful Habs that he no, was. Oh, uh, no, that's know. the
1: thing. A lot of guys right. found out their weaknesses <laughs> <laughs> once they left Montreal.
0: Eh? Yeah, yeah, I know for sure. Um so the next couple of years, uh, Binghamton, Springfield, uh, the team moves from Springfield to Binghamton, the AHL team. Next couple of years, uh, you got 52 games in. The next year, pretty much full time guy, but you still played a little bit on the farm. The next year, same thing, you played a little bit on the farm, uh, a little bit with the Whalers. At that point, were you just wondering what was uh, what was going on, or you know, were you trying to stick with the team, or were you getting hurt, or what was kind of the deal with you bouncing around a little bit?
1: Well, there was a lot of stuff going on there at, uh, at that time in my career. and mm-hmm. A lot of things, you know, in hockey, you know, they don't, as a player, you know, unless you're in the dressing room every single day and hanging around the 20 guys that are with you, I mm-hmm.
2: mean,
1: you know, you don't really know. I mean, people don't really see all the things that go on. and. Uh, and so I was, at that time in my life, you know, uh, struggling with, with my off-ice. My off I mean, trying to figure out okay. uh, if I want to be a hockey player, if I just wanted to party and drink all night. And uh, Oh, and really? So huh? I, was, yeah. I was certainly struggling with... with with the effects of, of my lifestyle away from the arena. And, uh, oh, okay. So, so that's why I was up in Hartford, and, and I actually remember uh, the coach, uh, Blackie, calling me over one day and saying to me, you know, hey, Ray, you know, you got to get your uh, off-ice figured out. And, yeah, yeah, sure, Don, no yeah, problem. Yeah, and, right. and next thing I know, I was down in, in, on the farm team and causing all kinds of problems for Larry Kish. And I, I remember my third training camp, coming back to the whalers that year and uh, and i i pretty much figured they had they had written me off mm-hmm. at that point and uh... my girlfriend at that time who's now my wife uh came down with me and uh... you know uh, we were expecting our first child so uh... you know i remember coming to training camp she came with me to camp uh... so i didn't want to you know that's just what we did we drove mm-hmm. down together and, yep. and uh... And I remember all the everyone wondering, Okay, well is he gonna play hockey this year or what? So they sent me down the farm team, Larry Kish pulled me into his office and said, Ray, I mean I got one question for you. Are you mm-hmm. here to play hockey or are you here just to, you know, have fun? And I said, Well, you saw me with my my my, my wife or my girlfriend and yeah. uh, I think that's is it all right yeah. there and he said, Yeah, okay, I'll give you another chance so so that winter I just I took me a month or so to get into a groove and mm-hmm. uh got hooked up with uh with a real good line with Bobby Sullivan and Paul Messier who was the centerman Mark Messier's brother actually. And uh Larry Kish and we had a good team and and you know, I just went to work. I mean I just Came to the rink every day with a determination that I was gonna be the hardest working player. It didn't matter if it was practice game, whatever it took and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I got things turned around. I Nice. I, yeah. I remember my wife and I were sitting in in our apartment and really I looked in the apartment, it was just a small, tiny little apartment and uh really there wasn't much there. I mean she yeah. was pregnant and I looked at her. We looked at each other and said, "Is this what we want? Is this how yeah. our, our, our life is going to be?" <laughs> right. I, you're I like, said,
0: no. You're like, "Hey, I've got some gifts. I have this opportunity. Uh, we could make thirty thousand dollars here in Binghamton, or whatever, a hundred and whatever it was. Yeah, sure, or
1: whatever you know. at the national league level." So, yeah, you know, I buckled down, and thankfully, you know, that year it just all came together. I mean, we had a, we had a like really good team. We had, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Kish was a terrific coach. Uh, and uh for me, he was a great coach. I can't speak on what other players thought, but for me, he was the right guy at the right time and and uh you know i just I just came like played hard and mm-hmm. I was still having a few issues away from the rink as far as my my alcohol and drinking too much and all that stuff. but i mean uh, I had it more under control yeah. and uh and uh yeah, so I was able to perform at a high level, and our team went all the way to the division final that year and or pardon me the the Calder Cup final. And yeah. We lost to New Brunswick, but uh, the next year a number of us made the Whalers and Larry Kish was the head coach and yeah, so uh, so I got my chance at that point. He he obviously had confidence in me as a player and allowed me to play and I I got the minutes to prove I could play at that level.
0: Yeah, twenty six goals your first full season, uh, twenty seven the next couple. Like, that's more than respectable numbers. Um, Ron Francis, uh, rookie year too. You played with him. Did you? Did you sense? He, I mean, he was drafted. I think uh, third overall, maybe yeah. f- maybe fifth. Um, and uh, did you get a sense of Ronnie as a rookie? Like, hey, this this kid's pretty good. He led the team in scoring. So,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, he was he was a good hockey player. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. I mean. Uh, but again, a great person. I mean, that's one thing. Ron Francis is just a terrific person. I mean, just uh, you know, I mean, so much character, so much uh, what he brought into the dressing room every mm-hmm. day with his, his attitudes and and uh, the type of uh, individual he was. I mean, uh, I can't say enough about him. I, again, another one one of those kind of guys you're just blessed to be around, and uh, right. and uh, was a great hockey player. I mean. I mean, he could score, uh, but his ability to pass the puck was really incredible. I should have had, I probably should have had forty, forty, <laughs> forty-five goals a year. Yeah, I missed a lot of chances like where uh, a true goal scorer would have scored. Right, right, yeah. right. And uh, you know he he was he was just really uh, he had all all the chemistry. It didn't surprise me that he he was a Hall of Famer and yeah. one of the greats of the game. I I say underrated greats. I mean, yeah, he was yeah. a lot better player than people I, gave him credit for.
0: I kind of compare him a little bit to the guy you played with later, Dale Howard Chuck. Uh, maybe obviously Ronnie's got better numbers. Dale's uh, Dale got hurt a little bit near yeah. the end, but uh, two guys that just uh, were centers carried their teams, didn't have great teams, put up numbers and probably a little underrated both of them, you know? Like they're, to me they're a similar guy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Dale, I mean, played on, I mean, the Jet teams that I played on were pretty good teams, but uh we were always up against uh, you know, the Oilers which was tough, but mm-hmm. uh you know, Dale was a was a terrific hockey player as well and, and I didn't really realize it. I mean, you got to play with him every day and realize that, uh, what skill he had his skill level was incredible right um but uh later in life when you got to play a little old timers with him and you and he actually played with him on the same on the same line you start realizing <laughs> holy cow i mean like, this guys this guy was pretty good right and uh, uh I, I mean really a, a really fun guy to be around Dale howard chuck and uh and uh, a really terrific hockey player, and I—I I, I don't know. I mean, he's—he's yep. a, he's a Hall of Famer too. I mean, yeah. the Jets mm. at that time. I thought we had a good team, but just didn't quite have all the all the pieces that we needed to to get over the hump. And I think the one year uh, we were close. Uh, the, the next year I got traded, and, and the team that year the Jets took the Oilers to seven games. And, yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately lost they might have won a cup. I mean they were they were good. Uh
0: back to the weather days, uh Sil came the next year and obviously French kid like come kind of a score. Francis was already there. Ferraro, who uh, you know, I know well, yeah. came on board. You guys started and, and then you had the Cooperals, I think. I think those were yeah, the Cooperalls. Yeah.
1: So we had those one year, that's right. So, yeah, uh, us and the Flyers, only two teams. I know, right? You yeah. you guys were yeah, That was a, that was an experience, but Anyway, were I mean, you getting
0: laughed at by other teams for the Cooper
1: Alls? I think initially, once you went through the league, <laughs> once it was fine. But I mean, I mean, I don't know. They were kind of goofy to look at, but right, a traditional hockey player, not nah, sure. certainly not what they were.
0: Did you get a sense uh, at the Whaler though, uh, when you were in Hartford? Like, obviously, and we'll get to your trade here. You got traded away, but did you get the sense? Hey, we're like we're building something here. Like, we got a lot of exciting guys. Did you get a sense of that?
1: Uh, you know what I. In Hartford, for sure. I mean, when, when, when Emil Francis came in, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I remember that first day at training camp, and, he, and, and the cat came in, and we're all in the room, and he's meeting with the players. And I knew from that day on that that things were going to be different in Hartford. I mean, pre-Emile pre pre-Emil Francis, there was a lot of loose ends or a lot of things going on that probably shouldn't have been going on and, mm-hmm. and guys that they, uh, you know, trying to understand or figure it out. And all of a sudden they brought in an established guy, Emile Francis, who has, uh, you know, pretty terrific history as far as building hockey teams. And you could tell right away that... Uh, that things are things are gonna change and uh you know they, they brought in guys like Ferraro, Paul McDermott, mm-hmm. Kevin Deneen yeah, yeah Uh I mean uh you know, they got rid of some of the guys as well, but uh that were you know, had some history with the Whalers but just not a winning history, so they mm-hmm. sort of moved those guys along. Um and they brought Mike Liude in and uh yep. you know, Mark Johnson came in for a while, and they pushed him along as well. But uh yeah, I think when Mike Leut came, that was that was also one of the pieces of the puzzle that started to turn the Whalers around. I mean, because his persona in the dressing room and his uh, determination to win uh, certainly brought in a completely different attitude.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was finalist for the Vesna one of those years. Um, yeah, you know, with the whale. Did you play mostly first or second line uh, for in twenty six, twenty seven, twenty seven goals in three years?
1: Well, Who I played was Ronnie with, a little bit when I played one year. I played with Johnson. That'd have been my first year, and mm-hmm. then the next year I think Mark got moved along. I think I can't remember where they traded him Pittsburgh or something, and uh, and then I started playing with. Uh, with Francis mm-hmm. and, and they moved Stoughton along too. So Blaine was always uh, playing with Ronnie. And then when they traded him, uh, then I was fortunate enough to play with Ronnie for a year. Should have so. got, got 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have. And then tell me the press certainly let let me know about it. But, <laughs> but I mean, uh, and then Ferraro came and I played with him for a while as well. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but, but then and Kevin Neen came along. So they put, put, uh, him with Francis, and and really, you know, when you look at the Whaler at that, the Whalers at that time, we had a pretty dang good team. Yeah, we were starting to play pretty good hockey, and then there were a few pieces of the puzzle that were missing, and one of them was a defenseman. And <laughs> and uh, so I mean, <laughs> this, is this is where you come and, in. This is this is where you come in. And I was the one that they traded, right? So right. Uh, unfortunately for me, uh, you know, it was a tough thing. I was, I think, the last guy other than Francis. It was. You know, with all the people that uh, Emil Francis had traded and moved. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was one of the last guys from that old group. And uh, eventually I was the one they moved for Babbage, So
0: Yeah, 85-86, early in the season. Dave Babbage for Ray Newfeld, straight-up swap. Uh, I was living in Winnipeg at the time. Babbage, uh was a fourth overall pick, I believe. And, you know, you could... I remember the f- press kind of got on him. The fans kind of got on him. This guy's not going to do anything. He's not going to be any good. Um, you know, and then the trade came, and I think immediately people were, were kind of like, oh, wait, we need a defenseman. We shouldn't have gave up on Dave Babich. Um, but for you did, you, did the trade just come out of nowhere? How did it happen? Where did you find out about it?
1: Well, I think the guys on the team knew that, uh, the, the, you know, that the, Something was going to happen with our group, but we weren't really sure what, right? So,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, at the time, I mean, uh, Alfie Samuelson, was uh, where I was playing with, uh, he was on our team as well. I mean, the Whalers drafted some really good players. Man. Yeah. I, I mean, he was one of them. And, um, and uh, so we were rooming together, and we were in Philadelphia, and we just got in from uh, going out to eat, and
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: all of a sudden, the phone rings. <laughs> Never good, <laughs> and, and it's Jack Evans. said Tex, right? Yeah. He says Ray, you got to come up to my office. I said, they're up to my hotel room. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, sure, no problem. And so away I went. I told Alfie I got to go see the coach. So mm-hmm. I walked up there and knocked on the door. And Jack was Jack was standing there. He walked in the room and you know had his back turned to me. And then he, you know, Texas. He was such an easygoing guy. I mean,
3: okay.
1: he, he didn't want to. Have, tell me the news, right? But yeah. yeah. He, had, he had to, so he turned around and looked me in the eye and said, "Ray, we've traded you the. To, to, we've traded you." And I said, "Well, where'd you trade me?" He says, "To the Winnipeg Jets." And I said, "Okay, great. Uh, thanks yeah. for everything." And, yeah. And uh, that was that. Uh, he said, uh, "You know, you can get you. You know, you got to be wherever in a, yeah. in a day. Go see Emil Francis tomorrow in Hartford, and then." He'll tell you what to do from there. And he, he thanked me for everything, and mm-hmm. I thanked him, and that was that.
0: So. Yeah, you had 15 points in 16 games, so you're off to a good start, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah. I had a really good start. I mean, and that was, again, during that trade, there were things, again, personally. I mean, here's this uh, struggle I kept going through that a lot of people didn't realize. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying not to uh, – I was trying to get sober, and at the same time, uh, you know, play hockey at that level. So. uh mm-hmm. When the trade happened I was I think about seventy days uh sober at that time and uh so it was really discouraging news for me and my wife. I mean we were choked. I mean
3: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean going home to Winnipeg you think, wow, I'd be excited but uh yeah, I was we really, say, really right. loved Hartford and we yeah. were we were in the community, we lived there year round. I mean we we were involved in, in uh, all the different charities that we could be and all that kind of stuff. So it right. was it was tough. It was a, it was hard to move, hard to leave.
0: Yeah, the good yeah. news the good news is you know you're from Manitoba and uh, and like you said Winnipeg Jets were your childhood team, which is great and that's a super positive. But the bad news is like you said, it uproots everything, and in a sense maybe there's more pressure on you. The hometown kid comes home, right? and yeah. There's a and then you got fans and buddies bugging you for tickets and whatever. Your old buddies.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, there's you know there was a little of that, but you know. Uh, the tough part about the i mean getting traded i mean it was tough and first of all i mean if i sit back here today and mm-hmm. and and i look at that that trade and i've certainly analyzed it a thousand different ways i mean i, I think you know and i thought the press was completely unfair i mean mm-hmm. uh, i thought uh um they were expecting way more than, they they had a, a misconception of what they were receiving as a player for, for Babbage, you know, and I wasn't a slouch, I mean, at the time of the trade, I, I yeah, like, I was a point-a-game guy, I was scoring 20, 25 to 30 goals in the National Hockey League, I wasn't, you know, just some right. scrub hockey player, no I was enough. a pretty good hockey player, and, uh, and uh, and Fergie needed a guy to have a physical presence, which was my game. I wasn't a heavyweight, but I wasn't, uh, you know, a welterweight either. I was sort of a middleweight mm-hmm. that could handle my own. And, uh, and they were getting run out of the building by the Calgary Flames. And uh, every year I was there, I think uh, we beat the Flames in the playoffs. So, I mean, if that was the reason Fergie brought me in, I guess we accomplished <laughs> that. You did it, right, yeah. But but I but I I just thought overall it was just so much uh that first year was so hard because the player Babbage was an incredibly popular player in Winnipeg mm-hmm. um uh, with his teammates. And uh and so they were having a dismal year mm-hmm. and uh Fergie shook the team up and they traded traded Babbage and you know, we I, I don't know all the history of Wayne Babbage and or Dave Babbage in Winnipeg and I don't it doesn't really matter. I know him as a person, he's a terrific guy and mm-hmm. uh and uh, you know I, I talked to him today when we see him at the rink and yeah. uh you know I was fortunate enough to play with him on a junior team for uh, in for that week or over Christmas. Right. Just a wonderful guy, really really good guy but mm-hmm. uh, and a really good hockey player. And, yeah. and so you know i i look back on it and i just go i think uh some of the stuff that was said about me was unfair i was i was a i was what i was as a player i gave you a hundred percent uh you know game in and game out and uh did my best and you know if, yeah. <laughs> if that wasn't good enough too bad right and uh, i wasn't going to score on every chance i got but i would get my share of goals and uh and and I played a rugged style of hockey. So, I mean, that's who I was. And as a GM today, I wouldn't make a trade like that. I wouldn't trade a top defenseman <laughs> right. for a forward one-on-one unless yeah. it's, uh, you know, if I'm trading for a Howard Chuck or a Francis and I have to give up my top defenseman. Yeah, for I'd sure. I do that, yeah. but I wouldn't trade a guy who's a 25-goal scorer for a top defenseman. I'm just not doing that. Well, so.
0: You know what's interesting is, you, is you're going on about this, and, 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 and one of my questions I have written down here was, do you remember the the heat you took from the media? Because again, I'm younger than you, um, but I was a kid reading the sports papers, and that was a question I had because I did feel like people were hard on you in your hometown. Oh, yeah. You know, it, um, it so was tough. That is funny that you bring that up out of the blue without me asking. Because I was going to say, do you remember that?
1: You clearly do. Oh, I do. <laughs> it was, it was uh, one of the hardest things I dealt with as a player. I mean, right. And on top of that, I was dealing with personal issues off the ice. Mm-hmm. And, and uh you know they a lot of people didn't realize that and uh and and you know uh, yeah so it, yeah, was a, yeah. it was a difficult time in the dressing room coming to the rink every day was tough i mean um yeah the, the, I had no I, disrespect I, to the players that were there mm-hmm no disrespect to the coaching staff, um,
0: Dan Maloney, right? Was your guy?
1: Well, Dan came the year after, yep. which was a saving grace for me. The when I got oh, okay. traded was very long. And,
0: oh yeah, very long.
1: And right. uh, you know, him and Babs were like super tight, and uh, and so that was a really d- difficult situation for him as a coach. And and I'll be honest, I, I I I think he didn't handle it very well. Right. I'm sure if he had to relive that now, he mm-hmm. would have. He would do it differently as well. And, I mean, hey, I, I was just traded of the team. I mean, I I had no control of it. I mean, Fergie's the one who made the trade, not yeah, me. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yet I was the one that was uh, you know, criticized through the whole process. And nobody ever once looked and said, well, why did the Jets make that trade? They just said it was the worst trade they've ever made. They never held anyone else accountable for the trade, as far as I knew, yeah. uh, except for me. <laughs> And so, I, I mean, that's one part of it was really ugly. It was an ugly yeah. time in my career. It was. And, uh, you know, and and, and and to stick up for myself and defense myself, I mean, my first 10 games or 12 games, I didn't score a goal in Winnipeg. Yeah. You know, uh, some people aren't. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then we went on the road, and Fergie, I was, I came to the rink early one day, sitting in the stands. We were sitting beside each other. He pulls me aside. He says, "Ray, you know, you know, why don't you just just go have fun, Ray? It's all good. Yep. You know, like don't worry about it, Noof. It's all fine. You know, I, there's there's certain things that people did. I mean, Randy, Carla, one day took me out ice fishing and said, here, come on, Newf, let's go. And we yeah. talked and, you know, little things that try to make me feel more comfortable around the team because a lot of guys were talking about about the trade. I mean, they yeah. never stopped talking about it. And uh, no. I won't mention names of some guys that I would I would never want to play with again that were in that locker room at that time. But uh, yeah. there were certainly a lot of really terrific people. I mean, Randy Gillen, Laurie Boshman, uh, Dougie Smale, I mean, there there were some great people: Paul McClain, Howard Chuck, Brian Mullen. I mean, yeah. I go on and on. There's some really terrific guys, but there were some people in that room that uh, yeah, and
0: that
3: and again made it not,
1: uncomfortable for me every day that I played. Back, it's not so. it's, it,
0: it wasn't your fault, you know. And I do remember as a kid, like oh God, I mean, between Fergie and Mike Smith, who the GM after you, or maybe he was there right when you were there too. But there were some horrible trades made. And, and yeah, were. there really was. And and you're right. I remember with people being pissed off that you weren't Dave Babbage, and it's like you had nothing to do with it. Yeah, and people yeah. were, like, looking at Babbage's success and his skills. He was a mobile defenseman, could score, could hit, kind of right. like, you know, was a good player. And, and yeah, people kind of yeah. like.
1: And, no, and nobody ever talked about, hey, why don't they go find another defense Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and then make fill that hole. And And, and you know, I mean. The year, the first year I got there, really, there, there 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 were a lot of challenges within that team. They just a lot of things changed, and the players mm-hmm. weren't happy. and And then Maloney came in, and things started to turn around. And uh, you know, and I, and my role changed completely. I went from being like uh, playing on a on a with one of the top two centermen in the, uh, mm-hmm. the team to, to playing in a more of a defensive role against other teams' top lines. You know, so yeah. I played with Bosch a lot of the time, and. Laurie was a terrific hockey player, and I mean, he's had a fantastic career, he's a great guy, great, uh, he was a alternate captain, mm-hmm. and a really strong leader, and uh, I had tremendous respect for him, And but he wasn't, you know. He yeah, wasn't Dale Arachuk, he, right, yeah. But you're not Ron <laughs> Francis, right? <I laughs> right, mean, yeah, yeah, for different sure. Different type of player, I mean, so uh, my role changed, and. I still managed to get 18 goals, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in that year. So uh, for two years in a row, that Maloney was there till I got traded to the Bruins. So
0: yeah, this is uh, yeah. this is the mid '80s too, a uh, different time in our society. Also, do you think some of it had to do with your skin color at all? At all? I mean, this is a different era, but
1: yeah, do th- I don't think so. Not okay. certainly not in Winnipeg or Hartford. I mean, maybe a bit in Hartford. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't never I mean. It's an interesting question. I mean, because uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The game know, has like, changed you know. lots now, and, yep. and everything like that. I mean. Um, there were some, there were players that would say things, uh, but I don't think I was ever okay. um, yeah, yeah. treated differently than any of the other. Certainly, I didn't notice it if I was. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm more, I'm obviously older, have a lot more experience, so maybe if I look back on it and and was living in that time, I would see it differently. But at the time, I certainly did, not I just looked at, hey, I'm have an opportunity yeah, to play yeah. hockey, and I'm going to make the most of it, right? So, yep.
0: Um, um, so uh yeah it was it was a tough so again it's not the real cool story would be the hometown kid comes back and you know and you said like you said one year the jets were really good and uh beat calgary um and and it's to be the hometown kid comes good and makes good but in in a way it wasn't you know and and that's uh something behind the scenes that people may you know don't realize like it wasn't easy for you
1: It, it, You it wasn't and uh I mean, but the biggest curse became the biggest blessing for me, there's no question, because I was... You know, at that time struggling off the ice mm-hmm. still with this and I finally got that under control and I you know, I became really good friends with Laurie and I found my faith. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many things that changed personally in my life, my with my between my wife and I, my kids, I mean, yeah, yeah. I became a you know, a real father, I became a real husband, I became a a person of character and and things along those lines and uh you know, so a lot of things changed. So I uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I look at it as a, the, the greatest, one of the best things that ever happened in my life. But at the time, it was is was, was really difficult, and uh, you know. But it turned out okay, so I'm humbled now to be a Winnipeg Jet when I walk in the arena, sure. where I walk in the city of Winnipeg, and people. Love the Jets, and they mm-hmm. don't. They don't go. Oh, hey, there was a guy that was traded for <laughs> Babbage, <I> mean, right? <laughs> they but, just hey, say, hey, there's a Winnipeg jet and uh, I would
0: not blame you, so. if you if you just slug somebody. If <laughs> Somebody ever yeah, said well, that to you? <laughs>
1: you know, those are the uh, crazy times. I mean, the normal. I don't know how other players would have taken it. I mm-hmm. mean. Uh, I, I really don't. It's just uh, some of the things that, that transpired that were really, really tough. I mean, right. And I, I'm not one for murmuring, you know. And guys yeah, yeah. sometimes like to, you know, get in their little corners and talk. And, you, and you're wondering, geez, uh, <laughs> you sort of knew what they were talking about. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. So, um, and, good, good teams uh, in Winnipeg, uh, up and down, and. Unfortunately, you're playing with uh, against the Oilers, uh, Gretzky, Curry. Uh, the Calgary had a great team. Um, there must have been times where you were just like, "Man, we're good. We got Howard Chuck." Like if we were in the Norris Division, or you know somewhere else, uh, Dale yeah. Howard our team would be you know first or second. We'd be great. Howard Chuck would be ruling the, the world, and we would have a solid team. But man, you just you're playing Gretzky at ten times, eight times a year, and you're playing Calgary, and it's just like, what can you do, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we we. With Calgary, when we had their number for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and, uh, the first year we were there, our team was we struggled. I mean, that year we we made the playoffs. We only played uh, a three game or best out of uh, three, I think it was. It was something weird. I, I remember Calgary won anyway, so we didn't beat them that year. But mm-hmm. the next two years after that, we beat them four straight, both yeah. years and. And uh and and then we went on to play face the Oilers and uh well that was that was just tough 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 to beat the Oilers. I mean uh they had so many terrific hockey players, not that the Jets didn't. I mean Thomas Steen was a great player, Paul McClain, Howard Chuck, yeah. Carlisle, Freddie Olison. I mean we had Davey Ellett, I mean we had some greasy players, we had some tough players, I mean uh, our goaltending, uh, I think that was the edge when you look back on it. I mean, no, again, uh, Daniel Berthune, Pokey, and the Bandit, I mean, good sure, yeah, solid yeah. tandem, but, uh, you know, they weren't Grant Fear. I mean, Grant Fear's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah so, yeah. so, you know, those are the little things that you wonder sometimes whether, you know, when the management was sitting up there wondering how they could make their team better, whether they thought our goaltending was good enough to win the Cup. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't look back and blame yeah. blame anybody. I just say, uh, you know, we were up against five Hall of Famers, and we had one on our team. So
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, so. You know what's funny? I, I was playing some rec hockey here in Vegas, and I go into the skate shop to get my skates done, and there's a giant picture of Pokey Reddick in a jet uniform. And I'm like, that's really odd and random, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm just waiting for my skates to get sharpened. And Pokey Reddick walks through the, 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 the pro shop,
1: yeah, yeah, I know he's living out that way for <laughs> yeah, quite a while. I don't know yeah. if he still does, but
0: he does, I think. And I'm like, "Are you Pokey Redick?" And let me tell you, Ray, he was very excited to get recognized. I don't oh, think yeah. a lot of people in Vegas, you know, remember him. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm from Winnipeg," <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you know. So it's uh, kind of he, funny.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a good guy and and good goalie too. I mean, uh, yeah. between him and the band, they were they were a good tandem and they played yeah. well for us. And uh, again, I, I remember the one night we were down two one in the series and and we had uh we were up three zip at home mm-hmm. and uh and we had a five on three. And Grant Fear just wouldn't let I mean we right. just couldn't score. I mean we couldn't get the fourth goal and they came back, you know, yeah Curry top corner, four three game over. I mean yep. and and uh and then it went on to win you know, that was game four, so they were up three one mm-hmm. and then we went into Edmonton lost and that was the series and they went on to win the cup. But, so. Yeah.
0: Um what was it like playing with Wayne or against Wayne, I mean, and all that and Curry, like the Were you sitting on the bench sometimes, going like just shaking your head, or or even Lemarion Lemieux, some of these greats? Like, do you have stories about some of that stuff? Where you? I I, I
1: mean, I was always I was a huge fan uh, of the game, even though I played. I mean, I I just (laughs) loved to watch these guys, and practice in the morning or team skates, I used to watch them, but. You know the guy that I used to marvel at. That was such a great hockey player. I mean, everyone knows. And is Mark Messier. I mean, he he was so good at hockey. I mean, (laughs) uh, I mean, really, uh, Gretzky. One of the well, in my opinion, greatest player that ever played. Yep. uh, you know he had an, an incredible uh, supporting group there and uh... Yep. you know mark messi being one of them and his ability to skate and just his his overall determination and will to win was was phenomenal and uh... you know coffee was something else I right. mean, super fast i mean today's game he would have been something else but uh... you know we, as we played back in the day we're hooking and holding clutch grab you know, you know everything went everything was allowed and and, uh, you know, I wonder how these guys would have performed in a more wide-open game because their skill was ability to skate and move the puck. And and uh, and they did it in that mm-hmm. in that style of game that we were taught to play back then. So, uh, you know, in the Montreal Canadiens, I still remember, you know, Guy Lafleur coming down the right side. I mean, sure, he was something yeah, else. Yeah. Mike Bossie and Trachi. I mean, you know, there were so many good players uh you know, Brian Sutter. I mean, he was an awesome player. Did, uh,
0: yeah, so, that's interesting. Uh, you say, yeah, Sutter was a little bit under, underrated, probably. He had a hundred points one year, I think, or.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, on. he was yeah. a hard-nosed player. Right. Could score. I mean, finish plays. I mean, just a real competitor. I mean, John Tanelli. I saw Tanelli, and I mean, played against him when he was really at the height of his mm-hmm. game, and uh, he was one of the greats of the game. I mean, hard, one of the hardest-working guys you ever play against. Did you uh Bob Gainey, Bob Gainey, great player, Guy Yeah, Carveneau. I mean I mean it's funny there that were so <laughs> many great players back then. You know, I was fortunate enough to play with a lot of superstars, you know, yeah. Ray Bork, you know, Cam Neely, I mean, in Boston was uh that was a treat. Reggie Lemlin, Andy Moog.
0: Um, I mean,
1: there's, there were some great guys I got to just, you know, be around.
0: <laughs> when you got traded, yeah, Winnipeg to Boston, um you were struggling a bit uh, with the Jets, and was it uh, was it a little bit of a relief? How'd that happen?
1: Well, it was. You know, I thought at the time. I mean, that's one of the things about players. You know, you always think you're you're better than than maybe you are.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And at the time in Winnipeg, I mean, for whatever reason, I wasn't getting the ice time, and uh, and uh, they decided. I mean, Mike Smith decided to move me on, and. And I went to Boston, and I was, you know, I was at that time excited to to move on because I wasn't playing a lot with the Jets. So, so uh, I was encouraged by that trade, and uh, but I got hurt. I got hurt mm-hmm. like seven or ten games in, or something like that. I tore my ligaments again, and uh, so I was on the shelf for for quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I would have liked to play more for Terry O'Reilly. He was the coach at that time, and. Uh, you know, just a hard nosed guy. It's yep. really fair. I liked O'Reilly a lot. I loved him as a player, and uh, and uh, you know, and so the, now I'm now uh, now I'm hurt. So yeah, you know, it's tough when you get traded and then you get hurt. Right, because you, you you know the team's always on the road. You're stuck sitting there at home doing nothing, and so that that was difficult. And the next year, I went back, and uh, Terry O'Reilly had had to step down because. This, his son uh, was quite ill, and he needed to spend more time at home with him. And,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and Mike Milbury moved in, and, yeah, so that, was that, that didn't go great for me. So me and Bobby Joyce seemed to be his,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> you know. Just, yeah. I ended up playing on the farm team, and uh, that, was, that was, you know, sort of I, – I lost my drive to be a player after that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so that was your last year. You just – You just kind of knew that was it. You knew the ride was over. I mean, you probably. I mean, looking at your stats, you know, you were two years removed from a 20 goal season. You probably could have got a you know another job, another thing. You just kind of walked away. You were like a little beat down a little bit and just kind of over the game.
1: Yeah, I was kind of yeah. Beat down's a good good uh, Mm -hmm. good analogy or a good uh, way to say it. I mean. I was really discouraged with hockey that time, and and for whatever reason, I mean, my experience with Boston, with the farm team that year, um, you know, we had a really, we had a terrific team at the start of the year, and then the Bruins just raped all our players. (laughs) Yeah. They took our best defenseman, a couple of our forwards. I mean, and, and yep. they all got called up, and and they didn't replace anybody, and and so our team went from being a top team to uh, just missing the playoffs, and and that was hard. And my stats were good enough to still play. I think sure, I probably yeah. could have came back and played. I had like 23 or 20 some goals in my last year in the American League, but. Uh, Yeah, I was just sort of uh, worn out, done with it, if you will. And uh, I got called by four different teams to come Mm -hmm. to camp, but they didn't want, you know, I said, well, give me a contract and I'll come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they said, "Well, no, you come and we'll give you a contract if we think you can play." And I said, "Well, you know what? Uh, I think I'll just sit this one out."
0: You know, um, so. Burge. I did one of these with Randy Burridge, who you played with. Um, yeah, he, he went the same thing to 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 Buffalo on one of those, and he ended up staying three years. But he said it was really insulting because he was off a 30 goal season, and they were, only could give him a, a PTO, which nowadays is common, but back then was not common for vets. You know.
1: Yeah, it was, was yeah. really I mean and I I don't know, I didn't understand it. I, I probably when I look back on it now mm-hmm. it, you know, I don't really have regrets in my career, but I mean that's one thing that I wish I could have changed is is uh, you know, I should have went, especially when the Oil the Oilers called, Like Say they're called and said, Hey, why don't you come in? I played I played junior hockey in Edmonton for a year, so I was familiar with the rank, familiar with their team and uh, you know, I probably should have went. Pittsburgh called, Vancouver called, Washington called, and I turned all of them down. I said, ah. no, I, I think I'm done. But... uh you know, I probably would have ended up playing on Cape Britain or something. And then uh, Sather had a history of taking old guys. You know, he had a history of yeah. getting guys a couple more years. He right? did, yeah. So,
0: Rahel Richelainen and uh, Kent Nielsen. and
1: yeah, uh, yeah, Dave Lumley played there. Sure. Guys like that. You know, he just sort of kept those old guys around. So, And I was familiar. I mean, I think I probably would have did okay there. But uh, I don't know. You can look back on it now. I yeah. just said, no, nah, I'm done. So Yeah, yeah. It
0: in. You knew that it was it was time. Uh, yeah. just a couple more questions for you on the Paul Pocky podcast with Ray Neufeld uh, former Hartford Whaler Winnipeg Jet Boston Bruin uh, your toughest goalie for you was there a guy that just stoned you all the time was there somebody that comes to mind that you just left you shaking your head
1: oh boy uh, I, I'm trying to think uh, I don't know if there would have been uh, mm-hmm. I mean fear probably that yeah maybe my, right. uh, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, I don't really recall I mean okay. cause I didn't you know, I wasn't like a 50-goal scorer, so, I mean, guys, I mean, all the goalies were pretty good, I right. thought. So, you know, I scored a lot of my goals on rebounds, and uh, you know, very seldom was I, you know, coming down the the wing and, and put her in. I mean, I was usually uh, off a tip, deflection, rebound yeah, goals.
0: The greasy, yeah. Greasy goals, goals. Yeah, the greasy goals, dirty goals. and
1: greasy goals, yeah.
0: Well, fear was the uh the right hand catching glove too which is different yeah. and weird so
1: yeah absolutely uh yeah. mike Liut was probably the hardest goalie to score on even in practice
0: <laughs> yeah it's, the guy was so massive too back then for for goalies back then nowadays you know ben bishop and these dudes are 6-6 liu was 6-4 and i remember everyone just talked about how how big he was you know yeah um, he was
1: he was big and he was quick and well, he was really you know or you know uh in his net, he had control of his his movements in his nats. It was tough to score on him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, Patrick Wall was pretty good too. But uh, Mike Leut was, uh, you know, we played uh, Vancouver one night and, and we were at home, and he was he wasn't with the team very long. And uh, and I don't know, it was two one going in the third, and and they they got four by him in the in the, in the third period. Yeah. And we, we lost six one at home, and I just remember. For me, that was a turning point in the Whalers becoming a team that could start to look at being a playoff team because uh, mm-hmm. he walked in the dressing room and he he literally screamed at every player in that <laughs> dressing room. And, really? And, yeah, yeah. And sort of, he got really upset. And he said, you know, guys, as long as I'm here, we're never going to lose a hockey game like that again. Yeah. Wow. Ever. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and he put his foot down and he meant it. And the players in the room that... We're used to losing. Sort of looked at him like, really, Liut? And uh, but the guys <laughs> that wanted to change were mm-hmm. like, Hey, yeah, I'm on your team. Let's 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 get this thing going in the right direction. So uh, I had a lot of respect for Mike Liut. Awesome player. Uh,
0: my next question might be obvious because I can't think of a better way than a breakaway set up by Gordie Howe for your first NHL goal. But maybe. Taking that one aside, is there a, a best goal? Do you have a favorite goal that stands out? Do you have a big goal you scored? Do you have something that stands out over all the all the ones you've scored? Uh, maybe taking away that first one, which sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, you no, know, I mean in the playoffs, I, I I don't remember all the all the different goals that I scored. I mean in Winnipeg, I had a few hat trick nights, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool and. Sure. Uh, you know one in 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 the LA form the one night I got three goals which was uh that was kind of neat we we won on the road it was a good game for our team uh, I I uh in in Boston I scored in the playoffs I remember gosh I, I don't remember which goal it was but uh we beat the we were playing the Sabres and we okay. beat them that night and mm-hmm. I you know scored a nice goal uh, and that surprisingly was off the wing and took a shot top corner nice so uh yeah, there's, there, you know, you, you remember there's lots of... There, I remember more of the ones I missed than the ones I scored.
2: <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> the right. the
1: fans reminded me of it all the time. Yeah. Actually, this one writer <laughs> in Hartford was just relentless on the goals that I missed. And uh, holy cow, well, it was tough.
0: I think Scott Taylor was hard on you, too, in Winnipeg days.
1: He was. I yeah. mean, I know Scott now, so I've mean, yeah, yeah. talked to I him. Mean, I haven't. I, I wish that he would sit down with me once and actually ask me the questions that you're asking me about uh, all right, all right. my time and my career because I shed some light on that but uh, he was trying to do his his gig at that time and yep. you know Tim Campbell he's still with yeah, the Jets right in, yeah. now today and I, I look back on when, when I was playing with the Jets he was there and uh, you know how much more experienced he is at his job now and how much you know he's learned a lot over the years so uh, you know you can tell how how he talks about players now. It's a, mm-hmm. just a little bit different than it was when I was playing and he was just trying to figure it out at that time. And uh, sure. a lot of respect for Tim Campbell and, and how he's he's grown as a as a, right. a sportscaster. Very good. Early, yeah, early I,
0: good. I just said, I was just a, I was just a kid, just a fan, but I remember you getting ridden hard by the press, by the fans, you know, and all that. So that's why I brought that up. Like, you know, and I, I was hoping that you, you know, it wasn't an off-base question that I brought that up, but clearly you do, like... You do
1: remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, was, you know. It's it, something that I, right. I think is so, I I mean, I look back on my career and I you know, I was fortunate enough to play 600, just under 600 games, over 800 professional hockey games. Not every kid from Winkler, Manitoba, yeah. I mean, or Southern Manitoba or Canada. I mean, it's a dream. It's something you always yeah. want to do, right? And Yep. And uh, you know, I was I was I wasn't a bad player, I wasn't the best player and I wasn't the worst player. I mean, I contributed and uh, uh I, I just remember uh we had Brian Trotche the one year I was coaching hockey. He came up and uh mm-hmm. and he was our guest speaker at one of our, our dinners and uh and uh and somebody asked him the question, What was, what, what type of a player was Ray Neufeld to play against and, and mm-hmm. uh and Tracci said he goes he says, "Well, I, what I can remember most about Ray Newfeld is, 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 is his consistency in his game and how hard he worked every night he played.
0: Not
2: bad, and, yeah. You
1: know, and so when I look at and I look at my career, that's how that's how uh, I like to look at it. I mean, a lot of other people always mention the trade and they always mention some of the negative things in my career, but I mean, I look at it as, hey, I gave consistent effort every night." Uh, my coach knew what he could count on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have to guess what kind of a player it was going to be night in and night out. So um, that's how I looked at it. I tried to be fair and honest in my game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Last question for you: uh, best tilt you had, best fight you had. You either Ooh. you know, I talked to Burge about this and. and he talked about getting beat up one time, but...
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. he was a competitor. I no, yeah, liked playing yeah. with him. He battled. I mean, he was a hard-working guy, man. I, I mean, yeah. small, too, at that time. And yeah. In hockey, there weren't a lot of guys his size playing. But is uh, uh, so it one that
0: stands uh, out for you?
1: For me, let's see. Uh, Did you
0: take on Messi ever? Did you just... Yeah,
1: You know what? Uh, my, I think the best fight that i i mean i fought Samenko. i didn't fight a lot of the big really tough guys yeah not that i can remember like mm-hmm. i didn't like basil mccray a lot i couldn't stand <laughs> you know uh, chris Nylon. uh yeah, yeah. i i mean i fought him but we didn't really have a toe-to-toe fight and i i mean and Nylon i didn't like playing against him but i i respected him as a player and i mean a hard-nosed guy for sure and uh You know, I got to play with them years later in some tournament we went went to play overseas. But uh, my best fight, what I'd say was the year I made the Whalers, and we were playing in Binghamton, New York, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was exhibition, and we were playing against the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm -hmm. And Frank Baith, I think his name was. Okay. (laughs) And... uh, and uh, we were, yeah. He 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 decided he wanted to fight me, and I said, "Fine, let's go." And I and I just laid a licking on him,
2: <laughs>
1: and <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, and I, it was just something for me that really elevated my confidence as well. Right. And, and and so I just remember really it was one of my better fights. And uh, different. Yeah. So Can it's I something g- that I I don't go around remembering a lot of fights. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to. When you have to fight, you got you fight, right? So the game was uh,
0: the game was much different back then, <laughs> much, much different. Well, it
1: really sure. was. Yeah. And, you know, I often ask this question of people: is if if you took the players back when we played and you put them in today's game, I mean, how would they play, right? Yeah. And yeah. A lot of guys say, "Well, wow. you know." I look at Ray Ferrar. I mean. He, he was fast. I mean, he mm-hmm. could score. I mean, he was phenomenal shot, smart player, good on faceoffs. I mean, why couldn't he play in today's game? I mean, yeah. what the biggest difference for me is that the players just train more. They're more aware. Mm-hmm. You know, they have all the video. I mean, they play hockey twelve months of the year. They train twelve months of the year. I mean, uh, but but the, the 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 things that made us hockey players our dreams and the desires we had and the will to win and compete. Uh, are still in each and every one of us we just yeah absolutely trained the way we used to, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, for that's sure. That's a difference, in my opinion.
0: And you and you, you watch some of those old classic games, and there would have been a whistle every 10 seconds. There was some, yeah.
1: there was some, lots of things different. Oh, dude, it was yeah. <laughs>
0: like, you're, like you're paying a price in front of a net back then. You
2: are literally paying a price. You had
1: to have a pair to be able to play back when we played. I mean, there's there oh. were guys that were pretty. I mean, going into Philadelphia, Boston, I actually love playing in Boston Garden, and a lot mm. of. Mm -hmm. Players didn't like playing there. You know, you had to. It it was tough. It was a whole different game. You had a lot of, lot of guys that played a day. I don't know if they would, they they would have the courage to play when I played.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. uh, You watch these games, and I watch a lot of classic hockey games, and it it is insane. Um, Yes, the goalies I think were easier to score on. The the equipment was smaller. They were smaller in general. That was easier, I think, than nowadays. But to get to the net
1: back then uh, yeah, not, it, was tough. it
0: was not as easy no way and
1: everything was allowed and then you know you never you know one of the biggest i think other players would probably attest to this too is and it's something you never talk about probably not but now if we sat around and reminisce you might have mm-hmm. you never like to be blown out in a rank right like, right. like the, the best thing was you know if if you're going to win the game five three or lose five three, but the, but the last thing you wanted was to be down like seven two,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, with ten minutes to go in the game, because like, you knew it was going to get ugly, right? <laughs> yeah, it
0: was not yeah, going to go that,
1: well. Those right. were the t- uh, you know really, I mean, you, you didn't know how that yeah. was going to go, what was going to happen. I mean, the game could get really ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, some and that's scary. You know, yeah. that, that was some some not so comfortable times.
0: coaster sure. and Pro bird are angry watch yeah, out like I mean, you know
1: <laughs> it was it was it was nuts yeah so
0: well but, uh thank you for taking the time for doing this I, I took you longer than i kept you longer than i said i would and i really appreciate you uh uh going down this uh, memory lane with us on pulp hockey podcast oh,
1: my pleasure absolutely uh thanks for thinking about me and uh i'm sure we'll uh shout again. Say yeah. hi to Mr. Ferrero if you see him.
0: I will do that for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Ray Neufeld, former Hartford Whaler, Winnipeg Jet, Boston Bruin, uh, long-time career in the NHL, 595 games and some playoffs. And uh, Thank
2: you for doing the show, Ray. Appreciate it. Uh, you're
1: very welcome. Have a good
2: day. Thanks, you too. Bye.
1: You bet. Bye.
2: Now.